Hey, Soul Fam, you're listening to the Soul Expanded Podcast, a sacred container built to support you on your own soul expanding journey. I'm your host, Bridget Nistico, a seeker, space holder, soul coach, and shamanic energy healer who believes everyone deserves to be whole and in alignment with their life's purpose. Each episode, we will hear from fellow spiritual seekers and conscious leaders on how they've navigated their own soul-expanding journey, the highs, the lows, and the tools they use to support their path of soul expansion. Now, let's get started on this soul-expanding journey together. Welcome, welcome, everyone. I am so excited for this week's episode. I have my dear friend, Stacy Sexton, with us. Stacy is a Reiki master, breathwork facilitator, mama, co-owner of the plant-based intimate skincare line, The Sacral House. The Sacral House bridges together the synergy of natural aphrodisiacs and energy work to reconnect people back to their sensuality, which... I love and I'm obsessed with. <laughs> I love their products. And um, I'm going to share a little bit about how Stacy and I connected and how she's been such an amazing tool and resource with me. But um, Stacy, welcome to the show. We're so thrilled to have you and can't wait to hear about your soul expanding journey. Hello. And it's so good to see you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Um, so Stacy and I, it's been what we've, we met maybe a year ago. We haven't really known each other a super long time. Um, It's been a fast trajectory though. It has. We kind of just, you know, I'll share that um, with you, I was so drawn to you and I'm drawn to you because you embody the work that you do, which you're going to be sharing with us, but you really embody um, owning being in your own skin and really loving and being grounded in your truth and in the divine and seeing the divine in others and your presence. I wish you all could experience her physical presence, but you'll hear it in her voice. It's just so um, grounding. And what you, you've you taught me through the work that you do, your breath work and, and everything else is um, to come home to, to myself. And so you've been such a great um, tool for me on my journey. And I just so appreciate you, everything that you do and the offerings and the, the medicine that you share with everyone, because it's really helped me so much um, in my own journey. So I first just wanted to thank you uh, for that and being a tool and resource in my life. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you. I'm receiving that so deeply and I appreciate you for saying all those things. You know that what you're witnessing in me is so much of what is in you. So I am just in gratitude. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So um, tell me a little bit, Stacey. So you're now in this beautiful space. You have um, your own business with where you do your energy healing work and your breath work. You have the sacral house. You've got all of these amazing offerings. And it seems like you're just this beautiful, like Phoenix just rising with all of these things around you, surrounding you that you've come to. But as you and I both know, um, that doesn't happen overnight and it takes a path of transformation to get there. So I'd love to start by just hearing a little bit about how, you know, you were raised in terms of spirituality and your own healing journey um, and kind of what got you to um, the space that you're in and what were a few of the tools that you used along the way. Going back to childhood, um, 
it's just all been this incredible step-by-step -step unfolding to right now, right? But when I look back to childhood, you know, and religion, spirituality, I, it wasn't terribly that unique, <laughs> to be honest. I grew up in a Protestant church um, in a small town. Actually, I just, as you know, I just moved back to New Orleans. So this is where I'm originally from, but I was at, uh, until 18, I was more in a small town, just like 20 miles away. And everyone is Catholic here. And so I remember feeling very out of the fold as a non-Catholic growing up. Um, but it was not a church that, you know, alcohol was bad, dancing was bad, none of that was bad, but it was still had such a conservative note to it, which is not unexpected. And I just remember sitting in the pews growing up and feeling like all the rules that were not only for us, but felt like they were around God. I just felt like there was so much inhibition. And so I think I wrote this in an Instagram post not that long ago, but I sat there sort of patiently just knowing that one day I would find an expression of this bigger God. And I didn't know how, but I just sort of knew in my heart of hearts that church was making God really small to me. And I do remember <laughs> at 18, right before college, I went to college originally as a religious studies major, actually. And that just got absolutely shit on by every single adult. And then every single person I met immediately into college and they all thought I wanted to become like a pastor or something like that. And I was like, no, no, no. I just want to study religion and how it's brought us together, how it's pulled us apart, the ritual, like, the, like this real Sagittarius expanding view, view of it. But there was a brief moment right before I went to college that I read The Purpose Driven Life. Have you ever read that? One of my favorites. Yes. I read it. So good. And I thought, oh my God, I am being called to be a pastor, which can you imagine now? And I went and spoke to the reverend at my church, who was a woman at that point, and telling her, I was like, I, I think I'm meant to explore God through seminary one day. And I remember her reaction was not like, hot diggity dog, yes, girl, go to it. She was like, I think you should absolutely question God, question the church, and journey with that. And I was so surprised by her response, but that really landed with me because that was what I always felt like was the underlying truth. Like we are meant to question and not just fall in line. Like actually, when you look at some of the biggest biblical characters, they got in fights with God. You know, but I, I grew up in a, an upbringing that was really like, no, you act like a lady, you stand in line, we don't ask these questions. And I was just sort of waiting my turn to buck the system a little bit more, I suppose. In my 20s, uh, for the most part, I, I didn't really find myself super religious or super spiritual at that point either. Um, as a child, I was also very into the metaphysical, though. So I think that was kind of where I've always gotten a little bit of flair of thinking, um, you know, I feel God in nature. I, I, I feel God in crystals, <laughs> you know, I feel God and believe in the power of the human body, too. And, and so 
I, I think it's just really all too common that a lot of us go, go through a point that we just, we're not connecting with anything. So we just push it away. And that's very much what my twenties were until having my firstborn when I was, oh gosh, I think it was 28. <laughs> I'm becoming a tra traditional parent. I can't remember when I had my kids, but it was around 28. And I would say that was the most spiritual moment of my life when I had my firstborn. Um, I've told this story a few times, but my grandmother, who was like a second mother to me, she passed away at the exact moment that my daughter was born. And my daughter is her namesake. Wow. She knew that my daughter was going to be named after her. And I had not seen her my entire pregnancy because of actually a falling out that I had with my mother during that time. And so when I got the word at 35 weeks pregnant that my grandmother had back-to-back -back strokes and really wasn't expected to live for 48 more hours, I was absolutely brokenhearted. I was in DC, she was in Alabama. I knew I wouldn't be able to go down to her funeral. And I was so broken. She was such a gift to me and someone who really expanded my views and spirituality and, and intuition and um, you know, she believed in aliens and angels and it was so beautiful, but she hung on for another two weeks. Everyone was stunned. How was that happening? And my water broke the day I hit 37 weeks pregnant and I just knew this is what she was holding on to. She wanted to transition after my daughter crossed over and I was communicating with my mom that day because she was there with my grandmother. And I'll never forget when it was time for me to start pushing. She said, I'm holding Nanny's hand. And when my daughter came out and I held her for the first time, I connected is not even the right word. I felt unified with the divine. Wow. I felt together with that big God I had always been believing in. And I simultaneously knew my grandmother has passed. She's transitioned. And it was really this powerful, big, beautiful moment of witnessing and feeling life coming and going. And I felt the divinity within myself, my womb being that threshold to carry life and that is what slowly started bringing me more to where I am today, close to six years later. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I've, I've heard some of your story, but um, never that specific one. And um, what a beautiful testimony. And there's so much, so much goodness there that I want to kind of tap into and expand on a little bit. And, you know, you mentioned something you said um, you know, I wanted to be a pastor. Can you imagine that? And the first thing that came to me when you said that was, well, you are one. And, you know, if to me, when I look at, um, I'm doing air quotes, a pastor or someone, you know, it's a steward of people and their, their healing journey and showing love to them and helping them become whole. And that's what you do in the work that you do. So I don't think that your original, you know, mission or calling that you got is too far off than that. Does it look like what we 
traditionally think a quote unquote pastor should be in the church. Are you following these timelines? No, but just like you said, you know, you were challenged to question, you know, God or divine and what that meant for you. And so what is so beautiful about hearing your story is that you are living that, that mission out. It's, it's through your own medicine and how it's manifesting through you. But I know so many women that have been touched by um, your, the work that you do and how you love them and the expression, how you hold space and allow them to um, come back into themselves and to unfold. And so for me, you're, you are pastoring people when I see you from the outside. So I, I like to recognize that for you and just, you know, really that, that really hit me when you said that. And I think it's beautiful that you've chosen to, uh, navigate that in your own way that felt right for you and most authentic to you, which wasn't aligned with, like you said, you felt like the church was limiting and you wanted to express it differently. So I love that you honored that expression. Yeah. I will thank you for all of that, first of all. And it has felt so much in these past five or six years that it's going back to who I was as a child. Again, believing God goddess whatever we want to give a word for it is so much bigger and i can feel that because i have allowed it to be and to explore that and to feel it within my own body my own vessel and you know like but but it's been going back to astrology i was so into astrology as a kid and just sort of like bringing all of these things together and just thinking like um Gosh, I, I just feel like in the past 30 years, we've gone from thinking so many things were taboo and they were separate. And we really allowed these things to sort of integrate. And that is a lesson that my grandmother really taught me. Again, when I said she believed in aliens and angels, she didn't, be, you know, she didn't believe in the rules either. You know, she thought, absolutely, uh, we have a sixth sense. That's what we were calling it in the 90s, you know, ESP and things like that. And now we just call it simply intuition. Sometimes mm -hmm. we call intuition God. Mm. Right? And, and so I've just loved that, like, yes, all of these things can coexist together instead of the separateness of it. And that was what I wanted to study in college, too. And, no, and even like 15 years ago, people were not getting that. It was like, we need to sit in our individualized camps and I was just always seeing like, oh, there's such a beautiful story woven between all of us and all of these things. And I just, I do witness so many people out there sharing that. And that's what resonates with me. Saw something on my feet of hers and I was like, oh, where has she been? I've not seen her. And then I popped over her page and I realized, oh, she doesn't follow me. But I realized, I was like, oh, she probably got a little pissed off by some of the things that I said. And at first I was like, that is a bummer. But when I think about who I would have needed to be, what I would have had to not say, or what I would have had to say in order to keep this person sort of like in my circle, I'm like, oh, I can't do that anymore. You know, I know how to play the good girl role. And, um, you know, growing up, I did a lot of that. And my Capricorn moon is kind of okay with it at times. <laughs> but I, I just, like I, I keep saying, I, I believe in something that is so much more integrated. And seeing the holy outside of church is what feels like truth to me.
feeling that everything can be church, you know, and, and I love that. And that's where I sit. And I think that is part of what I'm meant to explore in this lifetime. Uh, but I just sit in such gratitude, seeing so many other people kind of rewriting this story too. It's really us just sort of bringing a little bit of feminine energy back to religion, if you will. And even if someone's not comfortable to sit in the realm of religion, well, we've got other words for that too. Yeah. I love that you shared that story. I can so relate to that experience. And, um, you know, you shared how, uh, everything can be church and seeing, you know, I love that you see beauty in everything, the small, the, you know, the big, the little moments, every little thing you try and witness beauty in those things. And you guys, I wish you could see Stacy right now. She has on these fun little cat ears. They're like glittery and purple. And every time I look at her, I'm literally smiling so big because that really is her. It's like this joy that she, she's so lighthearted and fun and, and doesn't take herself so seriously. And you try to um, look at things, you know, objectively. And I think like back to bringing the divine into all that is, um, and that's not an easy thing to do. Right. And it's also not easy to, to stand for what you believe in, particularly when you're coming from a, a space from your past. Right. And so part of my story that I shared on my first episode was, you know, my transformation through AA, then to the church and then to where I'm at now. And so I can relate a lot with particularly um, a very strictly religious perspective and uh, people not understanding kind of where I am in that space. And it's caused me to feel a little bit insecure and, and I've had to really sit with myself and say, am I being authentically myself and honoring my truth and my spiritual growth and my walk and what I believe? And if I can say yes, then I'm going to do it. And it's been hard because you have people that fall off that don't resonate with you. And I've noticed that as I've grown, I've made new community and community is a huge part of my spiritual walk and foundation. And, you know, each turn I take and as it changes, I've developed and, and it, so that person might've fallen off, but then I came into your circle, right. Or someone yeah. else, somebody else did. Exactly. And it, it's all so deeply personal because you're, you are seeing someone in their deepest, deepest, deepest realm when you're talking about religion, spirituality, faith, whatever it may be. And so it makes sense that it's, it's incredibly triggering for a lot of people when you're rubbing up against something that's different than you. I'm someone who's always been comfortable with the difference, you know, cause again, I'm like, we're not all that different. Let me kind of like weave the story back in together. But even if it is feeling really different, like, God, I have such reference for that. You know, I love being able to witness the different cultures, the different religions. And, you know, um, I, I will say this, I grew up with, with not experiencing that necessarily so much in my immediate family the understanding of how something could be different or you know calling god by another name and things like that and that never threatened me because i was like god is not threatened by our little words for it you know and but speaking of community i will say in the last five years also when i had my firstborn i found a church in northern virginia that really that i'm still a part of which is kind of cool because of the coronavirus, we are doing everything virtually. So I'm able to still be really tethered to that community of people who are such soul seekers too. And they, 
have really been such a grounding space for me as I've sort of journeyed with some of these ideas too. And some of us have shared the most intimate reflections on our own spiritual path. And, you know, we've had incredible talks about Mary Magdalene together. And some of us sort of disagree on stuff. And a lot of us are more aligned than we ever thought. We just might use different words. And this church has had me do my singing bowls with them. Um, I've done breath work with a lot of the people in that circle. And it's so incredibly refreshing to be able to um, come together those ways. And again, sort of like let the idea of church sort of soften a bit. It's just been a softening. That's what I've surrounded myself by. Instead of these hard walls, I've found people who are progressive, who acknowledge, hey, there's been a lot of really um, unhealthy things that have come from the church that's been created in the last, you know, 2,000 years, roughly. And... And so it's been really beautiful to witness that softening and to be a part of it and to find my people in and outside of that church. And so I know we've gotten really heavy on the church talk, <laughs> but it, it, I, I don't talk about it that much. So if people kind of like are hearing me, um, this is a new way that I'm talking about this. Again, I don't think I really talk about church that much, but I get asked about it a lot. I do have a lot of people reach out to me on social media and they're like, hey, I can kind of tell, like, you're part of a church, but kind of not. Like, what's up with that? I'm on my own. Like, I'm, I'm sort of exploring this. And you can just tell there's a lot of people wanting to find each other. Everyone's a seeker, or a lot of people are seekers. We have a mutual friend that reached out to me not that long ago, and she was like, oh, I wish I, I wish I didn't have questions for my religion right now. And I was like, no, girl, you're a seeker. That's a damn good thing. Lean into that. We need the world of seekers. Like, go journey. Your soul wanted that, so do it. Yeah, don't hate yourself for having questions. Ain't got time for that. And don't, you know, judge ourselves for, um, you know, you were talking about your social media and people looking at you, you're talking about church, but if you went to Stacy's social media, she is not the like typical, like (laughs) she's talking about sensuality and pleasure and coming home to yourselves. And those are pretty taboo topics in the quote unquote traditional church. And so I think, you know, you're rewriting what it, what that means to be someone that is part of a, a traditional church environment. Religion, yeah. But you're doing it in a way that's authentic to you. And you're saying, you know, I love the community of this and I love what they represent and what I've gotten from there. But I also have my representation and expression of what God and, you know, um, the divine means to me, which is typically it's a very rigid and structured thing. And I love that someone reached out to you and they're navigating what is authentic to them. And, you know, I love going to church also sometimes, and we are talking about church a lot, but whatever it's like this whole soul journey is church with yourself and really connecting with source and using that connection to uncover your most authentic self and to do the healing work that you need through the tools and the resources that comes in through the divine. And I'd love to chat more about how, you know, that story with your um, grandmother was so beautiful and so powerful. And that is such a big part of your journey, motherhood, and really speaking to mothers on creating space for themselves and allowing their identity to still be 
be present while also being a mother. So I'd love to hear about how, like, what are some tools or some things that you used to come into that space for yourself as you were navigating going from being just Stacy to now, you know, Stacy the mom? And, mm-hmm. and what did that look like for you as you transitioned through, you know, the last five or six years of that? You've heard me talk a little bit about uh, my postpartum before in the workshop last fall mm-hmm. at that conference. And it's, it's interesting because that moment of having my daughter and then having my son were two of the most like just aha spiritual awakening moments. And, and then the postpartum for both were really kind of, I was in some mucky shit for a while there, which is really common by the way. And so I went from having this like incredible high of not only, like I said, feeling so unified with the divine. And then afterwards I, I was home with this new baby and my body had just been like completely stretched out. I'm bleeding. I'm raw. And I was like, I felt fucking sexy. This is like weird as hell because no one talks about this. And I totally honor that that's not everyone's experience. But it was like, I did have this sort of high from giving birth. And I was like, this is the complete opposite of what modern day society has told us is, is sexy, right? But I, here I am, and my freshly stretched skin, leaking breast, sore hips. I feel like Humpty Dumpty that's just been trying to be put back together again. And I feel powerful so powerful. I felt like I was returned to the most primal version of a woman. And so I sat in that for a little bit. I was like, I want nothing to do with sex. The act of penetrative sex, get the fuck away from me, husband. I love you, but we're not doing that. But yet, but yet, I felt the sacredness of my body in both of those times. And then, like I said, it got messy for a period there you're sleep deprived. <laughs> you're, you're just constantly a body that's for use for another human still. And it's incredibly exhausting. But for me, the things that kind of bring me back to myself are really simple. And I love that they're simple because I don't like that. Honestly, a lot of things in the wellness world or even spiritual realm cost money, you know, like that we're sort of like, you need to buy this, you need to get this, you need to get that. And like no hate on those things because I completely (laughs) purchased some of those things myself. But the reality is I can come back to my breath. So I know we'll probably come back to that, but I can also, this is really important for me. I love getting to use color as therapy. This is so simple. And I feel like I also don't talk about this as much, but like, again, you're watching me wear sparkly cat ears right now. My daughter gave them to me and I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to wear these. These are fun. I need the pizzazz. I will go to my closet and surround myself with colors and things that I know are going to add vibrancy to me. That is such a part of my truth. And so, um, I really started bringing in more oranges and reds and golds and things like that. Things that activate sort of those lower chakra centers, right? That get me in my physicality, make me feel juicy. They're not fade into the background colors. They're like, and I just feel really alive. So I will go into my own closet and just bring some energy to myself that way. I'm 
always dancing to music. Our home is filled with so many rituals and some of those rituals are, yes, the burning sacred smoke and my house has crystals everywhere in it and things like that. But sometimes it is just, um, you know, making my kids oatmeal, maybe a little bit more slowly and just making sure how am I breathing as I'm doing this? How can I make the mood, like how can I make everything a little bit more sensual, just like really make my entire body alive right now? What can I touch? What is pretty for me to set my gaze upon? What am I hearing? What am I tasting? So my life has just been, how can I enrich my senses? And it grounds me and both kind of like gives me back a little bit of that sparkle, that little bit of just like exuberance that I had lost for many years when I was just kind of treating my body like crap, uh, which I know you can identify with as well, right? It just mutes the whole system. And so those are the things that I fell back in love with when I had my first child and realizing I can make the everyday a ritual. I mean, this is, these are some of the ways I find God within myself and in sort of, you know, making pureed food packets <laughs> for my, for my baby, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be fancy or beautiful or that I have to leave my home. I can find it within me. And that's fucking hard sometimes to remember that I can find the sacred in, you know, my kid's toy that I'm holding up right now. When I step on a Lego and I just wanna yell, fuck, there's God in that, you know? So I just stopped making uh, God having to be pretty too. I just realized like, how am I breathing? How am I enriching my, sent my, my senses? What am I pulling from my, or my own wardrobe to sort of like enliven my body? And, you know, stop thinking that God only shows up in these other places, Stacey, damn it, you know this, this is from your childhood and just find it again in every single moment. We're alive at this time for a reason. And all of it, the technology, you know, this Aquarian age has so much to offer us right now. And um, it is completely a very new way of witnessing the sacred, I think. We're able to be so in tune with Mother Earth and nature and all of those components and one another in a whole new way. How it feels when you talk about coming home to the sensuality of yourself. And literally it's like, it reminds me of an image of a juicy peach and like biting into this juicy peach and just like the lusciousness of it, like dripping. And every time I speak to you, I feel like I'm, that's what I'm doing. And it gets me so back home to my femininity, which is something you are so big on women activating, whether it's like you said, you know, when you have kids and you're, you're going through all this body trauma or you're stepping on Legos, it's very easy to get out of that connection. And I know for me personally, I have been operating in my masculine for years and I've become very successful. I've achieved all of my goals and it was all very driven masculine intense and exhausting energy. Yeah. Yep. There's so many women in my life that are operating in that same way. And so why I love working with you and when we get to do workshops together is I get to witness you help women uh, um, 
shift out of that masculine energy and get into the sensuality of, like you said, dancing, playing with color, um, just being present in the moment and being so joyful. And lately I've been really trying to do that if I'm home and, you know, we've obviously been stuck in our house right now and I'm cleaning something up I'm putting on like reggae music and just like dancing around and healing my body. And, uh, so I love that that's a really important tool that you've used as part of your journey to stay connected to source and to yourself. And so um, I would love to hear any, if you have any tips, I know you just shared a, a few things, but if you could tell someone, you know, two really tangible ways that they could reignite their divine feminine. So you talked about, you know, playing with color and dancing, but you have your, you know, sacral house offerings, which I'd love to talk about as well. And, you know, how do we infuse scent and oil and all of those other beautiful things into our sensuality to kind of explore ourselves? Sure. So one thing that I for sure do every single day is I open up my hips Obviously, a lot of my work is around the sacral chakra, hence the name of the sacral house, right? We're, we're driving a lot of inspiration from that part of ourselves. And I'm sure that most of your listeners are familiar with the sacral chakra, but if they're not, it's the part of our body that is, it's an energetic center, but it's also physical too. And it's our second chakra. It's embodied by our hips, our womb, our lower back, and it's a very primal energy too right but this is the seat of our joy our manifestation creation right life this is the threshold for life and death in the womb and so i i have to literally activate that part of me and that's what's really cool about those lower sacral sorry lower chakra points too is that it's so easy for us to be in our heads right like even the meditation that so many of us have been really into up into this point has been so still, quiet, which is actually a little bit more masculine, staying in the head. And when we bring in the femininity, it's movement. There's a wildness to it. There's an untamed energy. Feminine energy, when we're talking about it in these dualistic senses, is not ladylike when we're thinking of like that 1950s, crossing the leg, sitting up straight, that's not feminine energy. That's masculine energy. Divine feminine energy is birth giving. So it is bleeding. It's dripping. It's that peach oozing. And so when we can kind of allow ourselves to be that, which is so hard because that has really been made the enemy these last 2000 years to get into that, you know, that wild energy again. So just opening up the body and allowing yourself to freely move to music and specifically opening up the hips. I got into Kundalini yoga several years ago, and that was another incredible tool that um, actually even nudged me closer to breath work. But I love really spending time to move that part of my body. And I swear, if I don't begin my day with that kind of movement, I am more stiff emotionally. Um, I'll get frustrated more easily. On the days that I do it, I'm way more creative. I, it's like the, the energy within me is just able to more palpably move freely. And so that is such an incredible tip, costs no money for people to do. 
And, you know, speaking of the sacral house, so that's a line that um, my business partner, Christina, and I started a year, just a little over a year ago. And it was the birth of so many of her passions and, um, and, and me kind of both feeling like we needed to create something that was a tangible expression that got people more into their sensual nature, making friends with their sensual nature. And yes, sensuality and sexuality absolutely makes sense that those things are tethered to one another. Our first product for almost a full year was just the sex oil. And we named it that. We could have honestly picked a much more marketable name. We could have made it a lot more easy for ourselves. Like we can't run ads on social media because of the name of that product, which when, when I stop and think like, oh yeah, we've come so far when it comes to sex and all that stuff. And then I get hit with that. I'm like, oh, there's so much more work to be done. Uh, but we, we started with that product because we wanted people to be gently nudged to make friends with that word and with that part of themselves and to open up the meaning of it. That it's more than just penetrative sex, like I said earlier. You can connect with your sexual energy without having sex, without having a partner. That is something that you can nurture and foster and create by literally just touching your body, touching your skin, noticing how it feels, and you touch certain parts. How many people are even scared to touch parts of their body? You know? Um, and so the sacral house is really an expression for that, just making joy out of everyday ritual, but connecting you back to your body and bringing in beautiful scent that's only created by the best stuff that Mother Nature is putting out there. So I've loved and have worked with essential oils for years and years and years, and I love how they can be used for medicinal purposes. But honestly, I love them for their gorgeous scent. And I love how unlike synthetic smells or scents and notes out there, they play with your body. So they're not like this flat scent that's just sort of laying on the skin. It's actually a relationship that's forming between your body and the oils naturally on your body. And then something that's alive from outside. And it just feels like a return to how perfume was meant to be, by the way. Uh, but also just exploring these other ways that we can do it. Like we have a room spray, but also it's like a body splash, if you will. Um, and that was kind of both a nod to the days when Christina and I used to be obsessed with Bath and Body Works because who wasn't? Right. I was going to say, remember those days, cucumber melon? Or cucumber melon. <laughs> yes. Which is just like so nasty to think about now, like what's in it and all of uh, all that. Bless it. Um, people still buy that, which is, incredibly interesting but you know we want things that are good for the body and are using these available resources that just for whatever reason humans got really disconnected from for about a hundred years you know like it's been really interesting to go back and reread about the origins of the perfume history and, and um, I've always loved the language of the flowers and what the scents mean and what they're evoking the body and it can be something that you can just completely tap into it on your own like i mean how many of us actually will smell something and take 10 seconds to think about ooh, what is it moving in me when i smell this oh it made my heart flutter oh it reminds me of my grandmother 
Oh, it reminds me of this memory. Mm, I just feel a little happier now after smelling that. Oh, that was the most soothing thing. I felt my shoulders soften as I took a whiff of that. Oh, I just feel kind of like jazzed and sexy right now. Like, who takes the time to do that? Well, that's the whole purpose of it. We want people to actually explore that relationship with themselves and with scent. And it all is happening with their own body, your nose, your skin. It's so simple and so delicious. And I love getting to create for that. Um, it's been a real, real joy. We have a lot of new products launching this year too, which is just, oh, makes I know. So I'm so excited. I can't wait to get the the new scents that you have. I was reading about them on the Instagram, your Instagram the other day. And I was like, I want both of them. I can't decide. <laughs> I know. It's it, like we, we have been working on so many scents for a really long time. And, you know, for years and years, I, I will be honest, I can make a good smell. Like I'm, I'm not going to be too humble about that, but, 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 but here's the difference. Um, when you are thinking this smell, the scent to be alive for years and years and years, like what do you want that to be? Oh, that's been like this whole wild creation journey. And so there's something actually really nice about going slow with that creation process. Cause I think speaking of masculine energy, we sort of think like I must produce, it needs to come out now. And when we rush the process, we really miss so many opportunities for some gorgeous pivoting to happen. I mean, if we had launched this scent that we created over a year ago, I mean, I've smelled recently what we created a year ago and it's not bad, but it's just where we are now, the whole evolution of where some of these have gone. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that we've waited, that we've had the audacity to be slow and central with the creation process, which is kind of the whole purpose of yeah, our yeah. brand anyway so it's not about it's very that. in line with what you do as it is so that yeah. would make sense that you would be slow and intentional with that and yes yeah i love oh you guys you have to check out um in bed the room spray and the sex oil they've really scent is something i've also been playing with lately too as a good way to get back into my body and savoring yes. the moments of things uh, you know, so when I look at your journey, you know, Stacy, it really, to me, if I were to kind of wrap a bow around it and, and put some different phrases in your box, it's really uh, coming home to oneself and seeing the divine in each moment and using our senses to connect to source, to mm -hmm. ourself and uh, being one with all and you know, you don't take life too seriously. I think, you know, as challenges come your way, it seems through your soul expanding journey that you've taken this approach of looking at a challenge is, you know, how is this an opportunity or how is this something that I can turn into a beautiful piece of my story, which is a huge part of the work that I do with shamanism. It's turning our pain into our medicine. And really it's not about removing those challenges. You know, you talked about postpartum and, you know, you briefly mentioned your challenges with your mother and there's not, a, I don't hear a lot of, um, pain attached to those experiences. And so I feel like for you, your process has been about whatever you've gone through and the experiences that might not look 
perfect or beautiful that might have been more painful and raw and deeply wounding, you've navigated it in such a way where you've transformed it by using uh, these beautiful tools through breath, through scent, through activating your divine feminine, uh, you know, through your community to turn that into your medicine and your superpowers. And that's ultimately what I believe a true soul expanding journey is. It's a return to your authenticity and we don't want to remove those wounds. We don't want to get rid of them. They're a part of us. Right. as they heal, we cover them with oils and we cover them with, um, you know, uh, a community of support and we, we, we love them and we honor them and we, um, we really sit with them and let them bloom and, and plant beautiful things surrounding them. And so I just, I love that you've done that and you've honored that in yourself. And what are some other, you know, I read a lot. I read a lot of different books. Uh, Reading is a big part of my journey in addition to community. Are there any, you know, authors or people that you follow or um, outside resources that have helped you navigate? You know, you mentioned a purpose-driven life. When I was seeking, that was a huge resource for me. Like, where where do I belong? What's my purpose And then it slowly changed. And lately I've been reading a lot about, um, you know, obviously shamanic wisdom and the ancient indigenous ways of living. What for you are some really great resources um, of literature or people that have helped you kind of steer this space and navigate your journey? I have loved the last couple of years to really expand on the story and the archetype of Mary Magdalene, like I mentioned earlier. So I love the Mary Magdalene Revealed book by Megan Watterson. That came out maybe a year ago, I want to Yeah, say. we both were reading that around. I think you posted it and then I bought it and it was a hugely transformative book for me also. I love it. So that's based off the Gospel of Mary, which we know was suppressed for a long time and is missing several components to it, which the parts that which it are missing is like, oh man, to imagine uh, what was kept away and censored probably is wild to think about but i love the way that she wrote that book and i know a lot of people who are very much involved in church have been able to enjoy that so if you're kind of sitting in that realm that's a book that i love also if you're someone who sits in the camp of like christian church if you will nadia boltz weber is an incredible person oh my gosh i love her i just posted something on my instagram the other day she's an episcopalian priest who's tatted up in her 50s, foul mouth, and I fucking love her. She's got one of the best ways of storytelling and unearthing new layers and thoughts and expression of the Bible. And, you know, there's a lot of the Christian church that I've admitted that doesn't really work for me anymore, but her voice and what she's bringing to it and her interpretation feels more accurate than anything I've heard in Four Walls. So I love her. And she did a book called Shameless, which is actually about uh, sexual expression Mm. and sort of making amends with that and sort of how you know again we've we've lived in a world whether you're christian or not you know these last two thousand years we really kind of put this very tight parameter on sexual expression so she does an amazing job uh widening that circle so 
love her. And then I got to say, probably the most transform transformational book I've read um, is Journey of Souls. Hmm. Have you heard of this book? No. I read it a year ago. It was actually recommended to me when I was in a deep mentorship with someone and we were talking about death. This could be a whole can of worms and I won't open <laughs> that entirely, but I've always been a child and then an adult who I'm not scared to walk and talk the waters of dying. And we, the Western culture is deeply uncomfortable with dying. And so it's been this very hard thing. I mean, like one, I think sex is hard to talk about, talk about death. You know, it's like, I'm just filled with all these taboo topics that no one wants to give the light of day to. And, but I just remember being so curious about death and I've thought about it so much my whole life. And I brought it up to my mentor some ways that I was actually kind of still living in some fear with it. And she goes, I want you to read Journey of Souls. This was probably last May. And I was like, I, I ordered it like immediately when we got off the call. And I consumed that book in 24 hours. And what that book is, is it's um, written by the man. Oh my gosh, I'm going to mess up his name. Dr. Michael Newton or Newman. Oh, I apologize for that. But he was a hypnotherapist and he helped people actually just go back earlier into life with uh, trauma and working. He was like a trauma therapist. Okay. But he did use hypnotherapy to just calm people. This is not like the kooky hypnotherapy that we're, you know, so used to seeing like old pop culture, if you will, but just sort of allows people to sort of go into a meditative state. Right. And sort of bring up these stories and experiences well, he was working with people and realized he was getting people going farther back into what was between lives. And he was not looking for that. He was not someone that necessarily had hardcore views of like, this is what the afterlife is and this is what it's not. But he was very interested in that. This started happening to a few of his clients. And then he was noticing that these people were sharing the same thing. And so this book is a collection of case studies. I mean, he did this with thousands of people before he then passed in, I believe, 2015 or 2016. But he did this with thousands of people. And so the book is telling the journey from leaving your earthly body, uh, transitioning back into spirit world, and then sort of our spiritual relationships with other souls and how um, we continue learning and then what happens in the process leading us into the next life that we choose. So it end, the book begins with death and ends with life. How wild is that? And so it, it was a book that made me cry. It made me excited because for the first time, I felt like probably how I did imagine afterlife, if you will, there were words for it. And so he wrote this, he came out of retirement because he wrote this book and then went into retirement. And then people were just like, get your ass out of retirement. We've got more questions. And so he followed up with like this 400 page uh, deeper dive, more case studies called Destiny of Souls. And so I got one of my girlfriends to read it with me at the same time because I was reading this and I was like, 
there's no going back for me after reading this. So I'm going to need you to also know <laughs> this language and what I'm describing. So I need you to read it now, please. And thank you. And she did. And so we've just had this amazing deepening of our own relationship, kind of acknowledging um, so much more of what our soul is kind of navigating. And, but it brought me so much more peace to think about, um, yeah, that we're, we're, we, we never, there is no end. There is no end. And all of those people that feel like they're in your life for a divine reason, they are. And so it, it was just such a, I've not had a book rock me like that. I mean, the other ones that I've shared are incredible. Please go read those if you have interest. But for me, Journey of Souls was something that I needed. And I guess I needed to be at the place of, I was 32 at the time when I read it. Took me 32 years to get there. And I'm, there's no going back now. <laughs> and it, it's just been really incredible to sort of navigate that. Because again, I think there's so much discomfort with the talk of afterlife, death. Um, and I will say this too. He, he did say that a lot of people that he studied and used for the case studies, some of these people were hardcore Christians. Some of these people were Muslim, Jew, like it doesn't matter. Some of them sat in hardcore religion. And some people were like, no, I'm an atheist. And everyone kind of came back with similar stories. And that is what's wild. It's like, how would they have known? Well, you know, they're just getting back to a truth that is deep, 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 deeply in us. And, and more often than not, we're sort of just numbing that part of ourselves out. So it's a very, it stokes the fires of the brain reading that book for sure. Well, it's also, you know, I cannot wait to read that book. I'm so excited, but that is core what we teach in shamanism. And what we explain is that um, your soul is on a journey of lifetimes. And so souls are at, you know, different levels. And each time you incarnate, you're, you have, you know, different experiences, but they're also very the same. So if you have a fear of flying in shamanism, we would go back when we do a healing to do a retrieval of what happened and clear the energy from that past lifetime of yeah. whenever you experience trauma. And I don't know if you've done any past life work with that issue, but I'd love to do that with you at some point. Um, seriously. So, so what we experience now is all memories that our soul has had and it's your soul's journey. And through the incarnation, the different experiences that you have and the people that are in your life, nine times out of 10, you've interacted with those souls in different lifetimes before, and you've made soul contracts with them in the past. Mm -hmm. So typically you'll have a partner or someone and you've made a contract with them in another lifetime that you were going to live many, many lifetimes together. And in this lifetime that you're in, is it, is that the right contract you want to uphold? So we do a lot of um, clearing soul contracts. Like say you're in a partnership where in this incarnation, this person is not who you should be incarnated with. We have to go into your subconscious. We have to work with your soul and their soul to break those contracts. And so I love that you know, he is widely sharing that information and that knowledge because it's, it's really? what I believe to be the truth and kind of how our souls navigate each lifetime. And it's through like the cleansing and the cleaning and the clearing and 
the transformation of our souls that we are then aligned with our soul destiny of ascending to these different levels. Absolutely. I mean, yes, to all of that, this is giving kind of uh, a different interpretation of that, but it's sort of same messaging, right? Same, but different. And it was something that always resonated in me, you know, like I grew up and it was like, reincarnation hell no that's not a part of our religion and i'm like i don't know it makes sense to me that's what feels like truth to me and so i've always like sat in that camp but it was just so fascinating to sort of witness a little bit more um the book reads if i'm being honest a little (laughs) sci-fi you know when you're sort of reading about it but it's it's cool and it, it there is a little bit of a hierarchy if you will i mean not in the way that in in earth school we have hierarchy where people are suppressed or oppressed and things like that uh but just acknowledging that some souls are older than others have done earth school longer than others um and that you do have like your soul pods that you are are like your people you know and they're a tight circle that you kind of are helping each other out and then you have other wider circles of people but then also like when people are doing when people would do these case study um or they do sessions with him, they are realizing like, oh, my mother has been my uncle in a past life. I've been my mother's mother, or I've been my mother's father. You know what I mean? Like it's gender has left the window or has left the room. And um, it's fascinating how people, how a lot of us have to, yes, go through these lessons for sometimes hundreds of lifetimes. And yep. there's no rush. There's no rush. You're only met with love and such guidance and nurturing. And, you know, I loved that there was humor in this, you know, in this spiritual plane too, you know, like when you finally kind of get your bearings again back and you're sort of reunited with your, your soul group, you know, you kind of laugh at like, oh yeah, I was total tight ass they honor that lifetime you know and i was like caught up in this and that and it just all becomes like love you you know and and then you just keep going and to see the beauty and picking your next life and what you were signing up for and and knowing it and it to even hear people talk about earth i mean i feel like you would really resonate with the the few little snippets of why our souls love coming to earth, you know, with all your, your shamanism background, it's like, I mean, our souls, when we get back to soul living, acknowledge like earth is brutal, but it is also one of the most beautiful planets and one of the most beautiful places. Like they would constantly describe that earth is a place where you can have such physical pain, but in the same breath experience such love like when these people were back in touch with their spiritual self or their, you know, non-bodied self, and they talked about holding hands with one another. And like when humans are, are on good behavior, there's almost nothing better than humans on good behavior. And I just thought how sweet that is. And, but also people saying like, it's a, it's a school where you come to learn, you know, you are, you are experiencing it all kind of in a way, the emotional, um, non-bodied stuff that we can go through here and the physicality of, of living on a planet with that. And that's why we have to, again, find such the divine in our human bodies. 
because mm -hmm. it's, it's an expression that we chose to take on and is the trusted vessel for this particular set of lessons. Oh, it's just so good. I love it so I much. Wait to read it. I'm actually going to, I'm reading another book called the soul of money right now, but um, that is going to be next on my list. And, and I love, you know, our soul's journey, our soul expanding journey, like you said, is a combination of beauty and pain. And that the whole reason we go through this expanding journey and process is to come home to, like I said before, our most authentic and whole versions of what our soul is destined to be. And it's through that beauty, through that pain, through all of it that we're able to, to find that. And once we navigate and traverse through all the ups and the downs, there's no feeling like that space when you finally are settled into yourself and you're aligned with your soul's destiny, which I know you for sure are. And it's just been so beautiful getting to chat with you today. And oh, there's thank so many, you so much for having me. Yeah. And there's so many little nuggets that you've been sharing that we'll have to have you back. Cause so many things I want to expand on that. I think the listeners would really enjoy. So I'd love for you to just share you have one phrase, one thing you want to share with people to help them along their journey, um, what would that be? I am safe to trust and journey with my expression. That's what I love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so you just I feel like we're often taught to distrust early in life we're taught to distrust or to bend a certain way but if you can feel safe and return home to yourself and whatever needs to come out and to dance with it that's what we're meant to do i think it's way more simple than we think it is I agree. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And please let us know where can we find you. So tell us where we can find you and your offerings and where we can find the sacral house. Okay. So on Instagram, my personal account is Stacy M Sexton. So that's Stacy S T A C E Y M Sexton S E X T O N. And then the sacral house on Instagram is just at the sacral house. And then I have a website, stacysexton.com. Amazing. And I'll also be putting that in the show notes for everyone. So thank, thank you. you so much for your time today, Stacy. Thank you for sharing your beautiful, just luscious uh, journey with us and, and all of your wisdom with the listeners today and um, sending you so much love, sister, and can't wait till we chat again. Thank you. I love you so much. Thank you for sharing your voice and your wisdom. And you have such a gift for connecting people. And I'm just honored to be a part of it. So thank uh -huh. you. Thank you. All right. Bye, everyone. Mm -hmm.